Chapter Thirty Two of Lost for Love by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirty Two. Oh, is it thyself that I mourn, or is it that dream of my heart which glides from the reach of my scorn and soars from the clay that thou art? The bright midsummer days grew warmer. Thickets of bush roses, moss, and cabbage, and maiden's blush that had been growing for half a century rose-clad arches and trellised walks rank and file of standard with all the latest achievements of the rose-grower all were in their glory of bloom and colour in the gardens of the villa near teddington lock but flora's tranquil wedded life was over it had vanished like a dream when one awakeneth she told herself that it was best so as she paced the rose-walk slowly feeling a little less strength for that gentle walk day by day or stood on the grassy bank above the river looking dreamily down at the swift-flowing water she told herself that there was no other way but lifelong parting for her and cuthbert ollivant her first thought on that dreadful evening her first thought when her brain cleared from the bewilderment of the shock had been a longing for loneliness to find some solitary place where no one would question or attempt to solace her pain all that she had esteemed and loved had been suddenly reft from her the man she had trusted was proved a liar she did not believe jared gurner's word against her husband's she did not believe cuthbert ollivant to have been a murderer but on his own confession he had been concerned in walter's death and had hidden his knowledge of the fact and had deliberately lied to her never more could she respect or trust him never more could she look up to him with childlike reverential feeling wondering what such a man could find to love in her since that night of torture she had been left in perfect peace mrs ollivant had been all kindness but had asked no questions she had been perhaps warned against interference with that silent grief life went on as smoothly and almost as silently as in one of those enchanted castles set deep in the mysterious heart of a pathless forest which abound in fairy lore nothing was changed except that the doctor remained away there was no longer the excitement of bidding him good-bye in the morning after driving him to the station in a pony carriage and of expecting his return to dinner when he brought back all the news of the day and as it were the very spirit and zest of metropolitan life along with him it was strange what a blank his absence made in the house and how everything seemed altered where other change there was none it was as if some one were lying dead in one of those empty rooms upstairs and yet flora told herself it was best that it should be so that dr ollivant had been infinitely wise in severing himself from her so promptly that union between them must henceforward be of all things the most impossible she had told him in the passion of the moment that she hated him and in her own mind she had not reversed the sentence she recalled that miserable time at branscombe the dreary days that followed walter's disappearance she dwelt on every detail of those days with a morbid grief how she had wondered how she had waited while he who knew the truth pretended to sympathize and to assist sent telegrams which he knew to be useless took counsel with mark as to the best thing to be done kept up the pretense of ignorance with unabashed hypocrisy could she do less than hate him remembering this and yet despite this loathing of his falsehood and even hatred of himself as the very incarnation of falsehood how cruelly she missed him how empty and purposeless her life seemed without him 
if she took up a book and tried to lose herself in the world beyond her own petty circle of perplexities and regrets she could but remember how her mind had been little more than a sheet of blank paper before dr ollivant began to cultivate it how much he had taught her how infinitely he had widened her possibilities of happiness how patient how careful how tenderly indulgent he had been through all the cloudless days of her wedded life exacting so little giving so much humble and taking her love as a boon but he had been so vile a sinner for her sake that it was impossible she could ever think of him again save with scorn and abhorrence what did he gain by all that deceit she asked herself what did he gain by degrading himself so deeply only me she wondered at her own worthlessness which to this man had been above all price even above the cost of honour and truth she pitied him for having bartered so rich a pearl for such tinsel there are hundreds of women in london prettier and more agreeable than i am and yet for my sake just to win such a foolish girl for his wife he was content to sink so low the enigma puzzled her and she pitied him a little for having been so foolish mrs ollivant behaved admirably her son had written her a long letter but had explained nothing a misunderstanding had arisen between him and flora he told her which would he hoped be temporary nothing that his mother or any one else could do or say would alter the state of the case he added foreseeing intervention and worry events must take their course he begged his mother to stay at teddington and do all in her power to make his dear wife's existence happy trusting to providence for a happy issue out of present perplexities he went on to give careful and business-like instructions for the carrying on of affairs at the villa with a thoughtfulness that was almost womanlike dull empty days the summer roses bloomed and withered and all the grass was strewn with petals but flora whose delight it had been to gather and arrange them left bowls and vases empty and suffered the flowers to die ungathered until mrs ollivant came to the rescue and made a daily raid in a strictly business-like manner with big garden scissors and capacious basket that tranquil repose and silence of the house became beyond measure melancholy there were sunlight and warmth and flowers and brightness and colour throughout the rooms and the garden and glancing river outside the windows but voices and laughter were mute for the occasional speech of the two ladies seemed hardly to stir the silence when she was not roaming listlessly in the garden flora spent her hours on a sofa reading or musing with her eyes fixed upon one particular patch of carpet or wall there was a restraint between the two women truly as they loved each other in all their conversations each feared to touch some perilous point and thus their talk became of necessity studied commonplace every day flora grew more languid and less inclined for even these poor little intervals of talk the local surgeon whom dr ollivant had entrusted with the care of his wife's health an elderly man of good standing in his profession opined that this languor and lowness of spirits were only natural to be expected at such a time i wish dr ollivant could give you more of his society said the surgeon mr chalfont in his cheerful tone that would brighten you a little no doubt but of course in his extensive practice it is impossible a man in his position is the slave of his own reputation mr chalfont was completely ignorant of the fact that dr ollivant had ceased altogether to come to the willows one day he gently reproved his patient on account of certain red circles which disfigured her pretty eyes i am very much afraid we have been crying 
he said with a shocked air. Now, really, this will not do. Mrs. Ollivant, appealing to the elder lady, you must not allow this. Tranquillity of mind just now is most essential. And, surrounded as we are by all that can render life happy, why should there be any tears? We must go out more. We must get more fresh air. Flora promised, with a pathetic little smile, that there should be no more tears. I wish to obey you she faltered for for the sake of and here broke into a sob that alarmed the family doctor for whose sake for whom had she to live what charm or hope or pride or glory could life hold for her henceforward hysterical murmured mr chalfont he prescribed for the hysteria and sent his patient one of those mild solutions of ether or ammonia which are supposed to regulate the throb of foolish hearts and tranquillize the pulses fluttered by a mind ill at ease the sort of anodyne which in a more advanced stage of civilization shakespeare's physician would have insisted upon sending to macbeth by way of practical reply to the usurper's famous question a week later dr ollivant received a telegram early one morning from his faithful friend at teddington providence had permitted him to be a father for only one brief hour the eyes of his infant son had opened on life's bleak morning for so brief a span that the father was unable to see their brightness all had happened prematurely and in the dead of night his wife lived but was very weak the telegram informed him he was at the willows as soon as cab and train could convey him there he stood in the darkened chamber with its summer coolness and perfume of many roses bending over the little waxen form of his first-born his mother beside him weeping their mutual blighted hopes i should have been so fond of him so proud of him cuthbert and he was so like you sobbed the disappointed grandmother dr ollivant smiled ever so faintly there was little in that baby face so pale and flower-like a snowdrop half unfolded to recall the stern mould of his own features his wife's room was on the opposite side of the corridor, only a few paces distant, but there he dared not enter. She was very weak. There was no danger, Mr. Chalfont told him. He had brought down one of the most distinguished practitioners in London to confirm Mr. Chalfont's opinion, but the utmost care was needed. "'Then I will not see her,' said Dr. Ollivant. "'But, my dear sir, surely your presence, a few consoling words from you, might cause undue agitation.' interrupted dr ollivant does she seem much grieved by the loss of her child well so far as i can discover from her manner not acutely she moaned a little when your mother told her of the infant's death and murmured something indistinctly but she has shed no tears for the poor little fellow there seems a general depression of mind rather than any passionate grief as she recovers strength we must endeavour to cheer and rouse her i am sorry to see you so deeply affected by your loss my dear sir added mr chalfont compassionating that look of fixed trouble in the doctor's face a certain hopeless look not to be mistaken yes it is a great disappointment my poor little boy it would have been so sweet to me to work for him to think of him in my loneliest hours my son it is hard to say those words only of the dead my son he stayed at the willows all that day and all night but took care that flora should be ignorant of his presence all night he sat alone in the room adjoining that solemn chamber where his dead child lay 
and once in the dead of the night and once in the faint grey of the early morning he went in and knelt by the little bed i accept thy chastisement of my sin o lord he said but let not the burden of my wrong-doing fall upon my innocent wife never perhaps in all his life had he made so direct an appeal to his creator and judge never before had prayer so earnest so utterly sincere gone forth from those worldly lips he received the blow that had fallen upon him in all humility but the stroke was not the less heavy he had counted upon winning his child's affections in the days to come although he might never regain the love of his wife the child would be a link between them even though he the husband remained hateful in flora's eyes a tie that must needs draw them together sometimes though their looks and words might be cold when they met for more than a week flora's state was precarious and in all that time dr ollivant came to and fro spending every hour that he could spare from his professional duties at the willows resting a little full of anxiety and care watchful of nurses and doctor but never entering his wife's room when she had taken a fortunate turn and was progressing entirely to mr chalfont's satisfaction dr ollivant went back to wimpole street for good as hopeless as a man can well be and yet bear the burden of life flora came slowly back to life and care she had been only half conscious of existence during her illness too weak for grief almost too weak for memory returning strength brought a renewal of her woes again she recalled the past and brooded over her sorrow and her wrongs and thought of her murdered lover it was thus she called him in her heart although she had never doubted her husband's version of the story that accident in her mind was murder if those two had never quarrelled if there had been no lurking hatred of walter in the doctor's mind that accident would not have happened evil feeling had been the root of all but deeply as she deplored her first lover's hard fate cut off untimely in the blossom of his days robbed of fame and all bright things that earth can give and earth although roundly abused in a general way has a good many pleasant things to bestow deeply as she lamented the cruel fate of genius and youth her keenest anguish was the knowledge of her husband's dishonour she had thought him so good and great so high above her girlish weakness and by this one base deception not the sin of a moment but the sustained lie of years he had placed himself in the dust under her feet had by this one great treachery made all his other virtues worthless all that he had been to her meant nothing now he was taken out of her life and her memory there was no such man upon earth as that cuthbert ollivant she had revered and loved not with the girlish unreasoning devotion she gave the young painter born of a girl's day-dreams and fancies but with a woman's riper and holier affection health returned and strength in moderate measure but there was a lack of that vitality which was to be expected in so young a patient mr chalfont attributed this joyless languor to grief for the baby's death and came to the conclusion that change of air and scene would be beneficial to flora a month or six weeks at the seaside he suggested in some nice bracing air bridlington or scarborough i detest the seaside said flora petulantly that sweetness of temper which had been one of her chief graces was not always to be counted upon now she was fretful and impatient at times impatient even of kindness when it was inopportune you are tired of some watering places perhaps persevered mr chalfont but you would be interested in a place that was quite new to you the yorkshire coast for instance yorkshire ejaculated flora there is something hateful even in the name 
it sounds cold and barren i shiver at the very thought of it now really this is fanciful my dear young lady remonstrated the patient doctor we'll say no more about yorkshire however the grand point is that you should have a change of scene i don't care for change of scene i like the willows better than any other place or as well as any other place replied the patient wearily it is only natural you should feel attached to such a delightful home but for your health's sake i strongly advise nay with dr ollivant's concurrence i shall venture to order a complete change of scene if you don't like the idea of an english watering-place suppose you were to go farther afield to some german spa for instance or to the swiss lakes i shouldn't care about going abroad flora answered in the same listless way and i don't think mamma would like to go so far would you dear with a gentle look at the patient mother-in-law my love i would go anywhere for your good said mrs ollivant oh mamma that was said so like cuthbert the old name came unawares for just one moment flora had forgotten all save that the mother's devoted love was like the son's she turned her head upon the sofa pillows to hide her sudden tears highly nervous murmured the doctor with a glance at the elder lady suppose you leave everything to me my dear lady he went on blandly to flora and i will contrive to have a little chat with your husband and arrange matters subject to his advice he is generally at home in the evening i suppose not just now said mrs ollivant colouring he is too busy ah the slave of his own greatness well in that case i will slip up to town and see him there why should i go away mamma and cause you more care and trouble asked flora when mr chalfont had left them why should i try to prolong a life which is useless to all the world and only a burden to myself my dearest flora you know that to two people at least your life is a treasure above all price oh flora why are you so foolish what is the meaning of this estrangement between you and my son he has forbidden me to speak but i think i have kept silence too long i have been mistaken in my obedience to him i see you unhappy i know that he is most wretched if you had seen him when you were ill mrs ollivant checked herself but too late the secret was out flora had raised herself from her pillows and was looking curiously at the speaker what mamma did you see him while i was ill he came here then he did flora but i was told not to mention his coming he was here night and day till all peril was past but he would not see me he kept his word mamma you must never talk of him to me again it is useless we have bid each other an eternal farewell go back to him if you like i have no right to divide mother and son let me go anywhere mamma i will live with any people dr ollivant chooses for my guardians i will obey him in all things but can you never be his happy wife again flora never mamma try to remember how happy your life was before this miserable estrangement try to remember do you suppose i have ever forgotten there was much more said all to the same purpose mrs ollivant pleading eloquently was she not pleading for that which was most precious to her in this mortal life her son's happiness but she argued in vain flora answered with a sweet sad calmness of all impossible things there was nothing more impossible than reunion for these two 
mr chalfont called in wimpole street that evening he found the doctor alone among his books in the vault-like consulting-room the house had already fallen away from its perfect freshness and neatness for lack of mrs ollivant's vigilant care the geraniums in the hall window looked seared and yellow there was dust on the shining hall table the umbrella stand was disfigured by a charwoman's bloated gingham but the worst and most visible change was in dr ollivant himself he looked older by ten years than he had looked six months ago in the early spring when he had been busy with the furnishing and improvements at the willows he started up from his desk at sight of the teddington surgeon alarm in his look and gesture my dear sir cried mr chalfont i am no messenger of ill news our patient is going on very nicely but i have come up to town in order to have half an hour's quiet chat with you upon my word you appear more in need of my services than your sweet wife you are looking far from well i am rather fagged replied dr ollivant carelessly burning the candle at both ends i fear meaning the candle of life well i don't know that one need regret that provided one makes a blaze that double flame has its effect on one's generation and if it doesn't last quite so long as the steadier light he finished his sentence with a careless shrug of his shoulders mr chalfont looking at him from a professional point of view did not at all approve of his appearance you want rest my dear sir he murmured soothingly if you could manage to take a holiday now were it only for a week or two and accompany your dear wife to some agreeable resort impossible said the other shortly but you came here to talk of my wife not of me mr chalfont thus called to order stated his case plainly his sweet young patient's health was decidedly improved but there was still a want of vigour the rebound was not what he had expected she was evidently fretting for the loss of her infant natural very remarked mr chalfont from the philosophical standpoint of a man who had had to deplore the loss of a good many infants during his professional career and did not find himself much the worse for that affliction change of scene was indispensable let her go to whatever spot on earth is fairest in her fancy said mr ollivant my mother shall go with her and all that forethought care and money can do shall be done to assure her comfort then followed a discussion as to where the patient should be taken since according to mr chalfont's showing she had no wish of her own nay was positively apathetic upon the subject scotland suggested the family doctor too cold perhaps decidedly too cold nice or cannes too warm biarritz the pyrenees too far i could not bear to think of her so distant from me unless it were her own especial wish she is entirely indifferent to locality what do you say to ireland i suppose you mean killarney said dr ollivant english people generally do when they talk about ireland in the tourist sense certainly mrs chalfont and i spent a week there a few years ago and we were charmed with all we saw the scenery is really something beyond description and the cuisine of the hotel where we stayed was excellent i don't think i ever enjoyed myself so much the air is lovely mild pure invigorating i really feel inclined always with your approval to recommend killarney let her go to killarney then if she likes if you could only contrive to accompany her urged mr chalfont out of the question 
replied the doctor wearily as if he were annoyed at having the suggestion repeated End of chapter thirty two